Welcome to the Improvement Imminent Podcast. I'm Philip Weigel, here with my brother, John Michael. Together, we set out to create a better program that can bridge the gap between gyms and help more athletes improve their fitness. Each week, we ask ourselves, what can we do better? And we challenge each of you to do the same. Our mission is to share our knowledge from our nearly two decades of experience as CrossFit athletes and coaches to help you approach each day's training with more purpose. Hey guys, welcome back to part A of um, our weekly walkthrough, May 20th, starting Monday, May 20th. We're going to start our workout. It's going to be 30 minutes alternating on the minute. We have an all lifting workout here. So you guys are going to do five power cleans on the first minute, on the first minute. Um, five front squats on the second, and five push jerks on the third. And I'll let Phil explain this one because he actually wrote it, so he'll be a little more seamless. Yeah, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit different. What we're doing is we're starting at a set weight, depending on our capacity with a one rep max clean and jerk. So if you have a clean and jerk one rep max that is between sixty and hundred pounds, you're going to start at thirty five pounds. If you've got one that's between 100 and 140, you're going to start with 55 pounds. 140 to 180, you're starting with 75 pounds. 180 to 200, you're also starting with 75 pounds, but you're going to have a different rate of increase. Uh, 220 to 260, 95 pounds on the bar. 260 to 300, 115 on the bar. And then 300 to 340, you're going to put 135 pounds on the bar to begin. Now, once you finish five power cleans, you rest. Next minute, you do five front squats, and then you rest. Once you finish the five push jerks on the third minute, you have to immediately start adding weight to your barbell because the next round is going to be either five or ten pounds heavier depending on where you fall on that list with your one rep max. So we're always making that linear increase. Um, By the end of this, by the end of the 30 minutes, we want you to be on the edge of what you can do. Hopefully, you're still lifting and you're still ascending the ladder uh, and you're able to keep up with the weights that are prescribed. If not, if you get knocked out, then what you need to do is backtrack, go back to a slightly lighter weight that you think you can survive the rest of the time with, right? So let's say I make it to, I make it through, uh, what, 24 minutes gives me, um, how many cycles is that? Eight cycles. Yep. So at that point, if I got knocked out and I couldn't continue going, then I would reduce the weight, maybe drop it 20 pounds total to something that I think I can continue with, and then I'll continue the next six minutes at a lighter load, still doing all the lifts, just with less weight and not ascending anymore. Um, This is a lot of lifting, right? In the course of this, we're going to do 50 power cleans, 50 front squats, and 50 jerks, and they they get heavy. Um, each set is meant to be done as an unbroken set of lifts. So those power cleans should be five touch and go reps. The front squats, you should pick it up once and do all five reps in a row. The push jerk, the same thing. You should pick your bar up once and try to go unbroken through all five. Now I understand at the end of this workout, things might fall apart a little bit and you might end up breaking it down into smaller chunks. Um, if that happens, it's probably not time to increase weight anymore. It's probably time to stay at the same weight or even cut back down to be able to try to resume that unbroken patterning. This is barbell cycling, and, and it's going to get tough. Yeah, this one's going to be a nasty t- test of uh, muscle stamina. Um, my suggestion is be honest about your one rep on the clean and jerk. 
Uh, if you guys are not honest about your one rep on the clean and jerk, starting with 20 extra pounds and then increasing, um, increasing by uh, either that five or that 10 every single time is gonna get pretty nasty for people. Uh, so make sure you guys are starting where you should. And if you do, I think you have a much higher chance of ascending throughout the time, which really is what Phil said, right? That's what we're looking for. Hopefully we can hold on to those ascensions all the way through. Yeah. Hopefully at least past 20 minutes mm-hmm. um, or 21 minutes would be seven rounds. Yep. This, look, not everyone's going to succeed. Um, that's just the reality of life. That's the reality of the way this workout is written. That's the way a lot of these workouts are written. It's not about it's not about being able to finish it exactly how it's written. It's about putting the most work into it that you can and trying to learn something from it. All right. So don't don't be afraid of failing. That's okay. It's expected for a lot of us. Um, for for most of us, one day eventually we will fail. The question is. Will you learn from your failure and will you take something positive away from it or are you going to let it get you down? Yep. Um, Now, real quick logistics of it. I would say front squats, try to do unbroken. Um, I would not drop that set for sure. All of it. It's all unbroken. You think the power clean should be unbroken? It's written to be done unbroken. Oh, okay. Okay. Never mind. Do it unbroken. Oh, gosh. It's not going to be enjoyable. It's not going to be easy. but. We want to lift barbells. Sometimes we need to grit through stuff, and that's exactly what this is. Cycle that barbell. The more efficient you are, the better chance you have of making it through the finish of this. On to Tuesday. Um, we are going to begin with some kettlebell carry stuff. We've actually done this one before. Not quite the same. Not, not the same. Something exact one. similar, um, though. Yeah. Um, you're going to use one kettlebell, just one. Uh, although we might need to use two different weights if we've got a big discrepancy from arm to arm. Mm-hmm. You're going to start on your left arm, put it overhead, and you have to carry it 100 meters. Uh, and we're going to do it on a 25-meter course. So you'll be, doing, you'll be doing four lengths of that course. Once you finish 100 meters, then you get to switch to your other arm and do another 100 meters. Once you finish that, it goes to the left arm again, and it's going to sit in the front rack. And remember, a kettlebell on the front rack, our elbow shouldn't flare up and out. Our elbow should try to sit down along our belly and our ribs um, so that we're really bracing our abs to create a platform for that kettlebell to sit on rather than throwing our shoulder out to give it a shelf to sit on. I, I think um, for that kettlebell front rack, it, it really is not comfortable. Um, if you guys are finding a position that you think is comfortable, maybe look and see where you're at. Um, reality is it's not um, a super comfortable position because it requires a continual effort to think about where you're at. Unlike a barbell where we can kind of throw it up in the front rack um, and if we're not holding, imagine we're not holding a hook grip, we can kind of go with a couple fingers. We can kind of forget where it's at and just let it sit on a shelf. Um, this one, you guys have to, every every second you're holding it, you have to think about keeping everything in position because if you don't, the kettlebell will fall away from the body. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we will put out a, a video or a photo or um, uh, something about the front rack with the kettlebell um, if that helps. And then uh, you guys have something that you guys can look at and try to base your movement off of and see how yours is. Um, after you guys finish the left arm and the right arm front rack carry, which is 200 meters this time. So it's going to be, instead of four times down and back on that track, you guys are going to do eights. You guys are going back to the 100-meter left arm overhead carry and 100-meter right arm overhead carry. So we begin with the overhead carry, we go to the front rack, and then we end with the overhead carry. Um, This is written for time. 
So this little piece of this of um, the skill kettlebell workday is for time. My suggestion is I would not sprint through it. I wouldn't run. Um, I would just be consistent with it. Try to continue to move. When you finish one arm switch, try to continue to move. Do that next arm. Um, make sure that as you guys are doing that overhead carry, I know one of the biggest things is our shoulder, or the kettlebell I should say, starts to fall away from our midline. We want to lean away from the kettlebell, and we want to almost internally rotate our arm to try to find something that's more comfortable, and it requires less stability out of us. It requires less of our attention to hold in the right position. So make sure that you guys are putting attention into that overhead carry. Yep. It's uh, <clears throat> This is going to be tough. My recommendation is to pick a kettlebell that allows you to do 50 meters at a time before you really need a break. So that would be down and back on your course before you need to set it down. Um, and and maybe you'll even be able to go longer than that. But, but again, the quality of your position is a big focus that we're after. So consider going a little lighter than, uh, than maybe the people around you are and working on what's going to help you become a better athlete. Yep. Right. So position is power. Fix your positions. You'll have a better chance of completing more of these workouts and growing more quickly as an athlete if that position is fixed first. Yep. And then on to the wad. Our workout is a nine-minute AMRAP. This one is going to be one for you guys to attack a little bit more. It is 15 wall ball shots, 10 chests of bar pull-up, and 30 double-unders. So you guys are going to be doing nine minutes of this. Um, it's pretty straightforward. The wall ball shots is a normal height, normal weight. Chest-to-bar pull-ups. If we do not have chest-to-bar, um, we have seen this scale multiple times. We can do a strict banded. We can do a pull-up. We can do a ring row. Um, and then the 30 double-unders, I would say let's scale that with um, 30 seconds of double under practice so we don't want it to be too long we don't want it to be too much work in that window because we want a lot of rounds to be put in in nine minutes um, at the same time we do want you guys to try to get a chance to practice and get better at double unders while under this one's going to be some pretty heavy intensity so um, just looking at this workout i would say it, it's unbroken uh, hold on to the wall ball shots remain in one set for those um, on the chest-to-bar pull-ups, if we're scaling or if we're doing chest-to-bar, try to hold on to one set of 10. Um, see if you guys can push through one set of 10. And then on the double-unders, um, that one's more about can you guys stay in good position and use that portion of the workout to bring your breath back under you. Uh, if double-unders are not something you guys are strong at, then those are going to get pretty nasty. But if we put in the practice form, uh, I think that's actually the part of the workout where you guys can kind of control your breathing and think about taking some deep breaths and kind of bringing the heart rate down a little bit. Um, to be clear on this, we want you to scale the pull-ups mm -hmm. to something that allows you to do the 10 unbroken. Mm -hmm. All right. Not do chest to bar just because it says chest to bar, even though you're going to have to do singles, right? Put yourself in a position where you can keep <clears throat> the intensity high. And if you're trying to do chest to bar pull-ups and you can only do one at a time there's no way for you to keep that intensity turned up so please scale the pull-ups to the point that you can maintain a bigger set on them two sets at most uh the wall balls we can get through those that's just that's just grit right you can make yourself do five more you just don't want to and the double unders yeah it's a little bit more skilled so what happens there is what happens there but those chest-to-bar pull-ups scale appropriately. We're at different levels. we got to pick different loads of work to, to approach this workout with uh, so that we can 
get the same sort of stimulus out of it. Yep. It's nine minutes going hard, moving continuously. Absolutely. We want you guys to attack this one. So set out with an attempt to do everything unbroken. Um, on to our last day, Wednesday. Uh, our workout is five rounds for time. It is 10 handstand push-ups, 10 lateral burpees over the bar, 20 deadlifts. This is going to be at 40% of your one rep max, and then 20 kettlebell swings. That's written with a 53-pound kettlebell for guys, a 35 for gals. Uh, on the handstand push-ups, for those 10, five rounds for time, I think that's, that's unbroken. I would say scaling-wise, I'm a big fan of the scale where we put feet on a box, we pike ourselves up, and we try to do handstand push-ups that way because um, being upside down is, is a lot different than anything else. Uh, what scale would you suggest, Phil? Um, that works. Also, a lot of people have been using uh, the plate elevation, right? Using a plate and putting a pad on top. Like the open? Yeah, like okay. we've used in the open, um, depending on your, well, I guess, the scaled. Yep, the scaled in the open was the scaled and the masters had that option um, <clears throat> or that in their, in their workout. So it's a decreased range of motion, but it still allows you to focus on the positioning uh, being upside down and doing almost all the parts of the handstand push-up, just just that uh, the level of movement has been removed a little bit because the range is smaller. That's a good place to go. Um, Jermichael said that these are unbroken. They definitely are if you're efficient at handstand push-ups. If you have to break them and do something like seven and three or five and five, that's okay. It should not be a long break. These handstand push-ups, those ten reps every round, they should be done well under a minute. Um, this should be done in like 30 to 40 seconds. So set yourself up with appropriate scales that allow you to get through those handstand push-ups relatively quickly and then move on to the burpees. And we all know burpees are just grunt work, right? Yep. It's just getting down, getting up, and moving perpetually. So we shouldn't see a big range of time on the burpee, really. That's a that's less than a minute for a lot of people, right at a minute for some people. But you should be moving steadily every time you get to the burpee. Then you move into the deadlift, and 40% of a one rep max, um, that comes out to a decent amount of weight. I mean, it really depends on how aggressive your one rep max is. Um, I know for me, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of deadlifts at that load. Um, but I put it at a percentage that I think is going to fall out to be pretty reasonable for most people, while not light, still reasonable, um, because you are doing 100 deadlifts this day. So it is a lot of deadlift volume. Uh, be smart about this. Break it into chunks. There's nothing wrong with quick sets of five. I will say this all the flipping time. If you do quick sets of five and you keep the break small between them, you're not going to lose that much time. It's all about rest management. Do your set of five, drop it, get back to it, go again. Um, having the bar out of your hands for, for five seconds is enough time for your system to start to reset a little bit. You don't need to let it reset fully. You just need to catch two or three breaths, shake out your arms, and then pick the bar back up. So be deliberate about keeping your rest to a minimum. Then on the kettlebell swings, John Michael, that I would say we're looking we're looking close to being unbroken um, or to being unbroken for a lot of athletes. 53, 35, it's not meant to be terribly heavy. It's meant to be kind of an everyday kettlebell swing. So this is more about position and, uh, and smoothness on your actual repetitions so that you can get in a good groove and, and keep it flowing. And remember that your hips and your glutes drive the kettlebell swing 
And if you aren't keeping your abs engaged, you might start to feel that discomfort in your lower back. But that's because your body is getting pulled out of position by the swing itself. So make sure your midline is stacked up and controlled and your abs are always on. Yeah, and let's just be clear, um, going back to the handstand push-up thing real quick, if you guys are putting a plate under that ab mat to raise the ground up a little bit, it is not kipping. So I, I do not kip if you guys are having that plate under the head. Uh, that is a strict handstand push-up to build that strength. Yep, just like, well, I guess that was last week. Just like we talked about last week about the muscle-up scaling, we have to approach something we can't do as something we need to be able to do. And yes. thus, we have to build the strength to do it. So trying to fly right to the fancy movement is not the way to get there. Trying to slow down and gain strength and gain positioning and, and stability, those are the paths towards success and then towards eventually having good, strong, fast, and safe kipping handstand push-ups because you've got all the precursors to back them. Absolutely. Um, following that workout, we are going to spend some time and we are just going to work on some rope climb technique. Uh, this is not a day to be missed. I think for all of us, technique work is something that we absolutely need. No matter who you are, uh, technique can always make you better. I think if you look at the best athletes in the world, like Olympic lifters, they spend a lot of their time working on technique, and they're the best ones at it. Um, and they've just understood, right, in order to really you know, craft and refine what they're doing, technique work is great. No intensity. We're just going to work on rope climb skill. We're going to work on that J-hook. Um, we're going to work on being even with the pool. Uh, and if you guys are at the place, I know you've started playing around with this, Phil. Uh, if you guys are at the place where you guys are very confident and comfortable with that right foot wrap, or I guess if you're left-footed, that left foot wrap, um, what about reversing that wrap? What do you think about that? It makes you a better athlete. Um, we're only as good as our weakest links. And even if you're not competing, you should understand that it pays to be symmetrically balanced. If you are lopsided and you only have one side of the body that you really understand and know how to work with, well, you're missing half of your capacity for movement. Um, so try and, do, try and do diversify your movement potential by learning to use the other side. I think it's huge. I've been playing around with, uh, with left, left side led rope climbs for a little while. I've been doing it with my legless rope climbs, making sure that I lead with my left arm when I want to lead with my right. And then it's definitely really tricky for me to learn to do um, left-footed rope climbs where I'm actually using my legs and helping my way up the rope. Just the footwork, it feels so strange because it's a side that I haven't developed it on. It's not that I can't do it. I have all the muscles. I just don't understand how to use them yet. So it's another level of building coordination, uh, which happens to be one of those 10 components of physical fitness that CrossFit's defined by its pursuit of trying to increase all of, right? We're not after just the speed or just the power or just the strength. We need all of it. We need the flexibility. We need the balance. We need the, the uh, coordination. Agility. Yep. We need the agility. We need the, the little things that don't look so great uh, and maybe don't make you quite as sweaty, but they will teach you a lot about movement. And yep. that's really what this is. This is a journey in movement practice. And that goes all the way from doing sprints on the rower towards slowing down and trying to just hold a handstand without any motion. Right? It's everything in between. Yep. And those little things are great for injury prevention. Um, I think 
if there's one thing that people are missing, it's that injury prevention style movement. Um, so yeah, make sure that you guys come for that rope climb technique day. Um, and that is, that is a wrap for part A of our weekly walkthrough. Stop back in on Wednesday morning and you'll be able to pick up part B where we go through Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Until then, we'll see you guys in the gyms.